TG Geeks, episode 205, January 21st, 2019. Innovation, excitement, and opera. Hello and welcome to another webcast from TGGeeks.com, where Ben and Keith, the two gay geeks, talk about all aspects of geekdom and nerdery. You're already <laughs> laughing? I haven't said anything yet. Well, you haven't I, made I, any... I haven't messed anything up yet. Not yet. <laughs> I was just thinking about the last one we recorded, <laughs> since we're doing two in a row here. Sci-fi, comics, film, horror genre, you name it. We talk about it. If it's in the geekosphere, we're going to talk about it. I'm Keith Lane, and we're coming to you from TG Squared Studios in lovely Phoenix, Arizona. And I'm Ben Raggington, <clears throat> always still phlegmy, and sitting next to the, the person who always loves to tickle himself, <laughs> Keith Lane, here in lovely Phoenix, Arizona. And we're going to just get right into this. Prepare for hyperdrive. Meanwhile, in the Hall of Episodes, the two gay geeks are discussing this. We have uh, Mr. Joe Spector. That's just Joe Spector. This is the Just Joe Show. Yeah. From Arizona Opera. And we've got our birthday shout-outs, as always, our featured podcast of the week. And we have a little bit of feedback, Tiny even bit. though we've got a, a really long interview with, uh, with Joe. Oh, which but is, it's, a, it's a goodie. Oh, it's, it is fabulous. And we're going to talk maybe just briefly about some more Arizona opera mm -hmm. stuff and a weekly recap uh, that we won't have, probably because we haven't published anything yet, yeah, because we're recording we're this early. ahead of time, um, because we're going to be out of town Celebrating next week. Celebrating your birthday. Yeah. And then we got our follow-up items, so we're going to just get right to it. And we welcome back to our show, Mr. Joe Spector, CEO, and or is it President and General Director of Arizona it's, Opera. Just keep going. God, yeah, whatever yes. else you throw in there. Yeah, CEO, <laughs> uh, managing. President, president and General Director. Man, managing partner. <laughs> or, or, or as we were referring to you just a moment ago, just Joe. <laughs> just Joe. Just yeah, Joe. there we go. Yeah, I... I, try, I tried Thanos for a, for a week or two, and it oh, just didn't dear. work. So, well, <laughs> That's a little too scary. <laughs> People are afraid you're going to snap your fingers, and everybody's going to disappear in a you know a puff of dust. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, well for, fortunately, I'm not a good snapper, so it, 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 yeah, it never I, I can't snap oh, my so fingers only either. <laughs> only a quarter of the people vanish in a puff of dust. <laughs> they, they just kind of felt this wave of. <laughs> Uh, energy I, at them. I sort of I, I do like a I do like a slow clap and and people feel mildly uncomfortable for a few minutes and then it's over. 
Ooh, oh my gosh. Okay. And we have already derailed this episode. <laughs> well, and we're we're here to talk about Arizona Opera. And we're we're right in the middle of the season. So we've just concluded the fall portion. And the, the fall Red portion series. was absolutely incredible. And so tell us. Tell us about what happened in the fall uh, portion of the season with the Red Series and, and all of that, how it was received, and, and then we'll talk about what we have uh, going forward. Fantastic, yeah. So the, uh, this was the first year of our McDougal Red Series, and in fact, the, you know, the, the whole new uh, season model for Arizona Opera uh, being rolled out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and just to recap for folks that are not familiar with the organization or what we've been up to for the last year, um, we, we sort of took a hard look at um, what we were doing, how we were doing it, and, and, and really having at the core of our questioning, how can we be the most exciting company for the state of Arizona? How can we serve this community as fully as possible with this really magnificent art form. And we, Arizona Opera has has always been an excellent company, but we haven't always been as responsive as we could be to sort of uh, certain realities, um, both in terms of sort of seasonality of attendance for cultural arts, but also just thinking more um, in a a more adventuresome way. Oh, God bless you. Uh, thinking more uh, in a more adventuresome way about the art form itself, which has been really experiencing uh, an incredible renaissance in terms of creation of new work. Mm-hmm. And we, we put all of that thinking together, you know, looked at who we were as an organization and across the, the field, excuse me, of opera nationally and came up with this new, um, this new format to our season where we present sort of these more um, uh, risk-taking, newer, uh, edgier works in our fall season as part of the new McDougal Red Series uh, in the Herberger Theater Center and the Temple of Music and Art in Phoenix and Tucson, respectively, and then present, uh, you know, still this bigger format main stage series, which has, you know, a combination of, you know, big classic beloved operas and, and also sort of a larger format modern masterwork uh, each year that um, that we feel will appeal to a big cross-section of our community. And uh, the the first year of the McDougal Red Series with Maria de Buenos Aires, the tango opera by Astor Piazzolla, and uh, Charlie Parker's Yardbird uh, about the great uh, jazz saxophonist by uh, uh, Bridget Wimberly, librettist, and Daniel Schneider, the composer, uh, was just such, a, such an exciting way to get started, uh, to tell... Uh, two very different kinds of stories in two musical languages that were at the same time very operatic, but also had such an intense flavoring of something that's that's uh, in a different vein. Um, you know, it was great to see uh, full houses at those shows. We had, I think, but you know, ninety percent or ninety percent plus houses at um, all those performances. And what was really wonderful to see is that uh, 20% of our audience for those performances were new to Arizona opera. Oh, far out. Uh, and, and really, when we're thinking about, um, you know, this idea of opera as an organization that's here to, to serve and to serve a community as fully as possible, uh, you know, the idea that we are able to bring new people to the art form is pretty key. Um, and it, it was great to see a lot of new faces. Uh, people that, people that loved, 
the Red Series most were those that were brand new uh, to the art form and those that were super, super experienced. So you have this combina- interesting combination of the opera omnivore who <laughs> has seen Carmen and Traviata and Bohem so many times that they're really feeling like they, they need a infusion of something new. And then, and then the people who were who consider themselves um, not, not knowledgeable about opera um, seeming to connect with that program the most. So there's still a lot for us to learn. We've got um, a really killer lineup for the uh, second outing of the McDougal Red Series in our uh, just announced 2019-20 series uh, season. Yeah. And, um, and we're off to the races. We'll, we'll so talk about that uh, in a bit. Ball. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll discuss uh, I, the next yeah. year. Yeah, we're excited about next season. Yeah, I was uh, very uh, moved and impressed with uh, Maria de Buenos Aires, especially I mean, Maria de Buenos Aires. That it was, was so powerful. It was so powerful. I mean, we saw it two nights. We saw it Friday and Saturday night, and I don't think there were there were not that many empty seats at all at those two perform. Well, at least on the the floor where we were. So right. I, I was impressed. No, we, had, we had a great turnout. Great. It's, well, you know, it's and, and I think what we're trying to do is just, you know, looking for these stories and these these um, these pieces that will have reach that sort of helps us get beyond what t- tends to be the water's edge for opera for opera audiences. You right. know, who who identifies themselves as someone that would come to an opera? You do a tango opera like Maria, which has such a powerful story told so powerfully. Uh, by John Dos Santos, who directed the show, <clears throat> and um, you really, you really make possible uh, an expansion for for audience for the art form. Well, that's yeah. that, that brings up a really good question. This is something that's been kind of like on the back of my mind uh, ever since the Red Series was first announced, and that is. Where are you finding these works? I mean, it's not like there's a big database, or maybe there is, and I just don't know about it, where, you know, seldom performed small operas are listed. I mean, where where are you finding these things? He's in the business. Actually, well, that I understand, but still, there's got to be some kind of resource or some kind of word of mouth that allows you to learn about these kinds of things. Well, what I would say to that is that... um, that in a lot of the creation of new works that's happening today, uh, and, and Yardbird falls squarely into this, so that, that piece premiered in 2015, uh, Maria has been around for 50 years. So that was, uh, you know, that one's been sort of a, a known, um, uh, you know, it's almost a modern classic that's been around so long and it's been so successful in its performances, uh, even around the U S um, a, a lot of composers today, are composing for this somewhat smaller configuration, um, somewhat smaller orchestra, somewhat smaller uh, chorus, often, um, uh, you know, smaller cast, these more sort of theatrically driven shows. Um, and, and I think that uh, there, are, there are certain stories that just lend themselves to that type of storytelling. And there are a lot of opera companies uh, at the same time that are embarking or a number of opera companies that are embarking on this uh, sort of more uh, adventurous path and creating, uh, you know, a, a, a second theater opportunity, a second stage opportunity uh, where they, they can mix up uh, their repertoire between this, these, you know, these bigger format works like La Traviata, which we're opening at the end of this month and, and these smaller scale works that um, uh, sometimes 
our our uh, our older works, but but most most often are these uh, newer pieces. So there's a ton of creation happening there, and uh, it's it's just a, a ton of energy that's swirling in the industry right now. Composers um, know that opera companies are trying to create uh, seasons that are responsive to their you know to their sort of seasonal attendance realities, and it just makes this. It just creates this fantastic opportunity for injecting all this energy into our seasons with pieces like um, like Maria, like Yardbird, and uh, and in fact, there's a pretty rich library at this point of work that that sort of fits into this uh, this kind of space. So uh, we're we're not going to run out of options anytime soon. I mean, for us, the biggest challenge is win- winnowing it down. Um, right. You know what is going to work what's going to work just right for Arizona because we have, we're not trying to do this in a vacuum. We're, we're really programming. We're trying to program as thoughtfully as we can and do work that's going to be meaningful to, to the people that would wish to take part in this, um, in the art form. Yeah. Uh, now it, it's a, it's a time of learning for us. You know, I think there are going to be pieces that connect well and pieces that connect less well. Um, but, it, but what we're trying to cultivate in, in, not just our regular opera audience, but in the broader community is sort of an a sense of adventure and curiosity um, to sort of go on a journey with us because um, it's it's when you take these kinds of chances where you'll you know you'll 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 find uh, something that just um, uh, energizes and creates meaning and value for people that they never could have imagined. But it takes that experimentation to get there. Yeah. So it sounds like Maisie, is that your dog's name, wants to be uh, petted or, or let in <laughs> to the, the room? Oh, you can hear Maisie. Sorry about that. It's all right. It's hey, just, we, we, have, we have animals. We have cats. I mean, you know, it's not yeah. uncommon for us to be it's recording like, an episode and all of a sudden you hear this decide, meowing in the background. Or one of them decides to sit in my lap. Or hack just, up a yeah, furball. We're, we're always... We're always in a constant balance between Maisie barking at the neighbor's dog outside and Maisie chasing the cats inside. So, <laughs> oh, dear. So, yeah. It's rarely quiet. We'll, we'll give it a shot. <laughs> We're going to mix it up. Okay. Yeah. All righty. That's okay. It's a, I, it is great that you guys have changed. The, I, I won't say the art form, but you've changed what uh, Arizona Opera is doing in Arizona. I think it it speaks to where we need to go forward. We got to bring more people in because we can't just have old people like us coming to the opera or we're, we're going to, it's a snag. You guys are kids. You guys are kids. <laughs> well, in the grand scheme of things. Yes. In the grand scheme, in the grand opera scheme. Exactly. But you know, it, we you've got always got to be reaching out and and finding something. Yes, we have to do the old classics, and and yes, I will see Carmen again. But uh, <laughs> you know, it if we, you must, if I must. But uh, you know, it's great that you're reaching out and trying something different, and and seeing what works and what doesn't work, and and learning from that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's and, and we definitely have you know audience development as. Uh, you know, it's something we're focused on. Of course, we have to be focused on it. But in in uh, on this other level, it's just about um, any art form that wants to wants to live and breathe must always be, you know, thinking creatively and thinking about reinvention. And and that's you know, uh, in the time 
there was a time when Tosco was, you know, was was new and, you know, challenging and people right. were ambivalent about the work. We, we just have to make room for always for new work in art, no matter Absolutely. what the no, no matter what the genre. So. Um, you know, I was raised on, uh, on, on, on classic opera. I, I, you know, I went, all, all of my training was really focused uh, primarily on, uh, as a singer, it's focused primarily on, on traditional works. Most of the roles that I sang were traditional works. And, and I do love that place and I, th- those pieces. And I always have room in my heart and on our calendar for, for those works. It's just about, finding the balance that is the the most sort of conducive exciting that creates a you know the the most enticing recipe over the course of an entire season right and um, and I think we're making progress on that and we've got some really exciting irons in the fire throughout years and uh, you know it's we're just we're glad the community is coming with us and, and helping us um, to do this exploration. Uh, and and I'm, I'm excited for what the future holds. Yeah. So you always have a, a closeness in your heart for Joe Papageno, huh? <laughs> Joe Papageno. <laughs> Hulkageno. 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 Didn't I tell you about that? Hulkageno. Okay. I think I may have heard it, but... <laughs> no, no, I have not heard this yet. Hulk, Hulkageno. So so I, I, I only performed Papageno as an entire uh, role once. And I found out um, pretty close to the time that rehearsals were going to start that uh, Papageno was going to be shirtless for, for the show. Oh, dear. And, uh-huh. I, you know, I was a much younger guy then, and I, I was reasonably fit. But I'm like, oh, my gosh, so this is my first time doing It's not like there was a shirtless scene and we can come up with some classy lighting. It, like, I was going to be shirtless for the entire show. Oh, dear. So I thought, <laughs> you know, I, I need to address this, you know, and, uh, you know, how would how would uh you know, anyway, a professional artist would. I, I want to make sure that I, you know, that I look good on stage. So, and how I, much I just prep went. time did you have? <laughs> well, I, I had it. I had at least enough time to, like, you know, get get to the gym and and, and lift way too much weight. And I ended up, I, and, and then I had this body pain on top of it. Oh, and, dear. Uh, <laughs> and so, so between like just probably lifting way too much and the and the body pain. Um, it was this very sort of um, exaggerated physique <laughs> for a guy who's supposed to look like a pretty innocuous bird catcher. Is like a Papageno smash. <laughs> <laughs> oh what you gonna do when the bird catcher catches you? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> uh, sorry, you just broke me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's great. Keep, keep, keeping it real, guys. Yeah. yeah. Real. So <laughs> tell us about, oh, there's some really exciting stuff coming up in the second half of the season, uh, starting here right. just the end of this week. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're opening uh, the Traviata um, on the, the 25th uh, here in Phoenix and then in, on February 2nd in Tucson. It, it's just, it's just one of the most magnificent works in the rep and, and it does get done frequently, but there's a reason the, 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 the it's sort of wall to wall packed with, you know, some of the, the most beautiful tunes. So it's incredibly right. tune filled opera. And, uh, you know, we have a beautiful, uh, traditional production and just some exquisite singers involved. 
And it's it's the kind of piece that's always going to be such an important anchor for for us artistically. Right. Um, so uh, we, I, we I have. Love uh, oh, it's, a, it's a beautiful. I, I think it's probably uh, one of Verdi's most beautiful from from a musical standpoint. For me personally, uh, it's the most beautiful opera. It's exquisite. It's exquisite. We have a great cast uh, with Vanessa Vasquez and Sarah Gartland splitting the uh, the, the, t- the title role, Violetta. And uh, Daniel Montenegro and David Blaylock uh, sharing the role of Alfredo. Uh, Dan Sutton, who's sung many times at uh, uh, Metropolitan Opera and Lyric Opera Chicago, and so nice. forth as as Alfredo's father, Germont. It's uh, it's going to be beautiful singing. It's it's a beautiful looking show, and and it's it's always heartbreaking. But it's it's because the yeah. the music uh, and and the text go together so so in, incredibly. Uh, powerfully, that, that it all works. Uh, also worth mentioning that Vanessa Vasquez, who is uh, one of our two Violettas, uh, was actually uh, born, was uh, actually raised in uh, Arizona. Oh, cool! And uh, and is uh, uh, a winner of the Metropolitan Opera National Competition. Was a finalist in Placido Domingo's International Competition Operalia uh, just this past summer. Um, uh, certainly a rising star in the field, but uh, sort of hometown girl done good. So we're really excited to um, to have Vanessa making her uh, company debut with us with this uh, production. That's fabulous. So uh, yeah, I I love Traviata, and I every chance I get to to see that one, that one is that one's one of my favorites. <laughs> well, there's nothing more yeah. glorious about seeing Violetta die at the top of her lungs of tuberculosis. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, oh, no. We, uh, spoiler. Spoiler. Oh, shoot. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is an opera. They usually have tragic endings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so that we're looking forward to that. Uh, that's followed by... Uh, the the company premiere of Silent Night by Kevin Putz and Mark Campbell in our Marlou Allen and Scott Stalick Modern Masterwork series. Uh, you know this this piece is you know obviously uh, another one of these modern in, instant modern classics. Uh, it premiered in 2011 in Minnesota and won the Pulitzer Prize uh, shortly thereafter uh, for music. And I, I um, uh, it, it's about the for, for your listeners that don't know, this this piece is um, based on uh, the the French film Joyeux Noël about the the true the true story of um, a, a truce that happened in uh, 1914 across enemy lines in World War One, uh, brief and spontaneous uh, for the most part. Um, uh, enemy combatants from uh, the French side and German side, Scots. Uh, uh, gave each other presents and sang together and had a night of fellowship um, to take a break from the war. And I just, you know, it's such a powerful story that's always, that's, that's always going to be relevant even, even if we're not in Christmas and even if we're not in a, in a a large scale war like that. But uh, I mean, for me, it's all about, um, it's all about this idea that we can put our differences aside and find shared humanity. And absolutely, uh, it's it's told it's so told so effectively, and um, uh, it, it's it's timely right now. Yeah. You know, I, I really feel like we need to be telling stories like this. Absolutely. Um, you know, what, one of the luxuries of of my job is that 
I'm always talking to people who have different backgrounds, uh, you know, different uh, political and social viewpoints, and 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 they all come together under the umbrella of uh, of art. Yes. And uh, and and if they don't engage in a conversation on those things that divide them, they yeah. get along just fine. And uh, I think this opera sort of illuminates that, and I hope it's an opportunity for our community to sort of celebrate differences among each other that we usually, you know, uh, don't have a challenge vilifying right. and, uh, and, and, and really, uh, be something special for us. Yeah. And I, then we I'm close the season. With, yeah. yeah I'm really excited. We, we, the company has, has wanted to do the show even before I arrived. Um, but I'm glad we're able to bring that to life. Jo- Joey Mekovic will be back on the, the, um, the, the podium. He conducted, um, uh, Riders of the Purple Sage, which is uh, prescient, um, and uh, uh, among uh, among the cast, uh, just mentioned since you guys know him, um, we have uh, Joe Latanzi coming back. Oh, cool! Uh, Joseph Latanzi coming back as Lieutenant Odebert, uh on the French side. So, really, really happy about that. And cool. then we close the season with uh, the Marriage of Figaro. Um, you know, we we love sending people off with a on a happy you know, note. With a happy note, uh, I mean a lot of a lot of Figaro is uh, mischievous, and uh, there's lots of deception and so forth. But yeah. you know, this this catharsis at the end, and and no one dies. So yeah, <laughs> we it, had it, that one of happy ending. Happy ending. <laughs> exactly. It's kind of funny though that that you're doing that, and it starts on the the 26th because that was the that was my day of birth opera at the Metropolitan Opera. Um, the um, was that matinee oh so it was uh, is that right uh, yeah marriage of figaro i think giorgio tazzi was in it ah. I, oh god i can't remember who all was in there wow it was yeah wow. so it, it's kind of I, it. I heard that actually i i found out that that was the opera on i was driving to la for a business trip and was listening to Metropolitan Opera, and they say, matinee on January 23rd, 1960. Oh, oh I guess I just gave away my age. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Not that we've been shy about yeah. it in the past. But that was, it was like, oh, this is so cool. And it, it's, it's cool, cool now that it's right at the end, you know, end of the week of my birthday. So that's cool. Oh, um, I love it. I love it. Uh, and then that's, you know, um, Marriage of Figaro. Uh, is another one of these pieces that's 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 tunes like nonstop uh, through the entire piece. Oh it's yeah, just, uh, really great singing cast. Um, some some faces that are new to our stage and and some familiar as well. Um, but it it just it, it's it's the way that you want to do, uh, you know, Figaro. And and we really are committed. You know, when we when we do traditional work, it's not a throwaway for us. When you you know, I think. I think it's easy to just uh, say, oh, well, you know, people will come because it's Figaro, people become it's tra- for, for Traviata, but we really just, we're always trying to think of how we can get just the most beautiful voices, the most wonderful singing actors onto our stage, and, and we do have some excellent cast. For Absolutely. Well, and it goes beyond that, because I think about how last season when you did Barber of Seville, and it's it's more than just having, uh, you know, a, a production where you've got, you know, the most beautiful singer singing some phenomenal music. I mean, you, you guys, uh, what I love about Arizona Opera is that even for an older work, you're looking at new ways of presenting it 
to make it kind of more fun uh, and get the audience more engaged in what is going on. I mean, what what uh, was done with last year with uh, Barbara was absolutely genius yeah. beyond anything I'd ever seen. In fact, I rate that as probably one of the finest productions I've ever watched. Yeah, Bartolo was uh, really just appreciate that. incredible. <laughs> yeah, J- Josh uh, Josh Bors did a fantastic job uh, directing that show, and he he just he just found all of the opportunities for. Uh, for humor, and uh, it, it was really effective. I completely yeah. agree with you. So with having done Barbara last year, Figaro this year, please, I, I, I tell me, are you going to be doing Ghost of Versailles anytime in the future? Oh, come on. Please. Uh, Say yes. You know, <laughs> Ghost of Versailles has, has, has come up. It's, I, I'm not going to say that it's on the you know scheduled at this point. but um, It's it, not it, even on the short it, list. It, it, it's, <laughs> you, you know... Um, Never say never. You know that's 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 the thing I've learned. So it's such a bizarre. Um, it is an odd word. <laughs> but, but we have already announced 2019. Absolutely. So let's talk yeah. about 2019. Yeah. There's some interesting stuff some here. Really fascinating things. So uh, so again, we're we are uh, in our second. Uh, we will be in our second uh, season of uh, this new season model and the McDougal Red series. Oh boy, am I uh, excited! We'll have yeah, two, two, but both uh, incredible and important works. Uh, we'll open the season with "Shining Brow" by uh, Darren Hoggin, American composer Darren Hoggin, with libretto by Paul uh, Muldoon. Um, that piece uh, was originally premiered in in Madison in 1993. Um, the, it tells the story of Frank Lloyd's Wright, Frank Lloyd Wright's life, or a specific aspect of his life between uh, 1903 and 1914. So this, this covers the period of um, the, the fire and murders at Taliesin. Um, and uh, what's, what's particularly exciting is that uh, Mr. Hagen has uh, very graciously agreed to create a new version of the opera uh, for Arizona opera called the, the Taliesin West version. Wow. And, um, and so uh, the, the, the original opera was, was put in a, uh, at a larger, um, a larger opera hall type setting. So we, we needed a version that was going to be appropriate sort of, you know, uh, a custom fit for, um, for the red series for the Herberger and, and the temple of music and art. Uh, the right size orchestra and, and so forth, and and constructed in such a way that would make sense for for that series. So this will be the world premiere of the Taliesin West version cool. of uh, Shining Brow. Um, Darren Hagen was a or is a uh, Curtis Institute trained composer who's, who's been pretty prolific. But uh, Shining Brow was a piece that um, really helped to uh, catapult his recognition as. Uh, as an important composer of our time, and we're, we're, we're thrilled to present this work. It's uh, dedicated to Leonard Bernstein, uh, who Mr. Hoggett studied with for a period of time. Cool. Um, and it should be really, really powerful. Um, we've got an excellent production team. This will be a, a, a new physical production as well, uh, and, uh, and some excellent singers. Uh, including uh, John Moore and Rob McGinnis, who are, who are sharing the role of Frank Lloyd Wright. Um, uh, John is uh, a uh, graduate of the Lindemann Young Artist Program at the Metropolitan Opera. Oh, cool. uh, Rob Rob is uh, actually one of our uh, studio artists in the Marion Bruce Bullen Arizona Opera Studio next year. 
an incredibly fine baritone, and uh, we're excited to uh, to have him on stage in this role and uh, uh, playing um, Frank Lloyd Wright's uh, lover, Mamma Cheney, uh, will be Laura Wildey, who uh, is also a graduate of that that program, the Mariners Pullen uh, Opera Studio, who's been making international waves in her own career. Um, so it should be a terrific, a, a terrific production, and uh, really excited to again sort of find a, an opera that's got an aspect that is that might be intriguing to you know p- people in our community that don't typically attend opera, but might be interested in in art or architecture and, and have a curiosity about this um, very operatic life right. of Frank Lloyd Wright. I don't want to assume. But I, I guess you have reached out to uh, Taliesin and West and. The Frank oh yeah, Institute. we're working on, yeah, we're working on uh, community partnerships um, with the Frank Lloyd Wright Foundation. Cool. Uh, lots more to come on that, but um, uh, yes, we're, we're we're certainly in contact there. Yeah, cool. And then uh, that's followed by uh, what has what has rapidly become, you know, one of the most important new works of our time, fellow travelers. By I'm very excited Gregory about this Spears one. And Greg Pierce. Yeah, this this is this is such a beautiful piece. Uh, it, you know, it's about, um, uh, first of all, let me, let me just mention that the, the piece premiered in 2016 at Cincinnati Opera. We will be using the original Cincinnati Opera uh, production and uh, has since gone on to the uh, Lyric Opera Chicago, Minnesota Opera, and others. It's, it's a, um, it's, it's a, it's, a, it's such an incredible human tale. It's a. Uh, it's about the Lavender Scare in 1950s during the time of McCarthy when uh, homosexuals were being uh, run out of government positions uh, for fear that they were undermining the integrity of uh, you know democracy and so forth. And it focuses on a relationship between uh, two men, one who is uh, in the State Department and one that works for a senator's office. Uh, and 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 you're you're seeing how they're trying to live their pu- public and private lives in this condition of uh, in this condition of fear, and it's, uh, it's some of the most just um, uh, beautiful lyrical uh, writing musically to bring this story to life. Um, one thing that's very special about this piece is that. Uh, Hawkins Fuller, one of the uh, one of the two men in this relationship, uh, the role was originally created by uh, one of our Marion Ruspullen uh, studio artists, Joseph Platanzi, right. who is coming is coming back. Uh, Wonderful, coming back oh, this fantastic! Role. I, I I didn't even realize that Joseph actually was the one who created the part. He did. He created the part in Cincinnati in sixteen. So, oh wow! Cool. <clears throat> yeah, very very happy to have. Um, Joseph back on our stage, Jonas Hacker, who performed it for Chicago, uh, joins Joseph and uh, uh, the original production from uh, Cincinnati Opera, as I think I mentioned. Cool. And the, and then we cut to our uh, main stage series, uh, which is, you know, which is which is just a great lineup. We're opening with La Boheme. Oh, my god! We gosh. could do La Boheme every year. I would never get bored. <laughs> yeah. I love I Boheme. Never, ever... I have a funny little story. We we had gone on a cruise, and there was uh, a guy that was playing guitar on the cruise, and he was Italian, and, and I just happened, I said, he said, do you speak any Italian? I said, I only speak very, very little. And he said, well, what do you say? And I said, mi chiamano mimi. 
<laughs> and he laughed and laughed. I love it. I love it. I love it. Anyway, um, so Boem is just, it's one of my favorites. It's Boem. I, it, we, we really could do it every year. I, I'd never get bored, but I might get fired. So we're not going to do it every <laughs> <Right>. year. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, but great cast, Ellie Dean and Julie Adams splitting the role of Mimi. Ellie's been making big waves most recently uh, as in the title role of Arabella with the San Francisco opera. Uh, Julie Adams, who is um, uh, our Ann Soros in, in Silent Night, uh, returns to our stage. She's a Metropolitan Opera National Council winner and a very, very fine soprano. There are two Mimis. Um, we have a, a, a Guatemalan tenor named Mario Chang and uh, Yang Zhao Yu from the Houston Grand Opera Program, splitting the role of uh, Rodolfo Mario, won the Operalia was a was a 2014 winner of the Operalia competition, Placido Domingo's competition. Oh, cool. Uh, Juwan Kang and Octavio Moreno are our Marcellos. Uh, Juwan was one of our bar- uh, barbers, one of our Figaro's in Barbara Seville last year. So if he looks familiar, that mm-hmm. is why. Um, and then. Caitlin Johnson and Katie Jordan in our studio programs share the role of Musetta. They're both going to be exquisite in that role. Cool. Uh, that's followed in our Marlou Allen and Scott Stallard Modern Masterwork series by the revival of Riders of the Purple Sage. Uh, we could not be more excited to bring this opera back. Um, the excitement that surrounded that production when it premiered was beyond anything I'd ever seen happen with Arizona Opera before. So... Uh, I, I, and there are so many people. So good, good. I was going to say I was a little surprised to see when I when I first heard that it was announced it was coming back. I thought, gee, already so soon. But then I thought, no, I mean, God, this thing just really was like it. It was the buzz. Um, yeah, you know, if if anyone said that five performances of Hamilton was enough, I'd laugh at them. And that's all we've done of writers. Writers had five shows. And um, there are so many people that came up, has kind of come up to me over the course of the last you know, couple of years to say they, had, they didn't see it, they wanted to see it. And it, there's, it's still really in the ether. And so, um, you know, we don't typically revive pieces this fast, but uh, we, just, we just really believe in this, uh, in this opera. And, um, and we wanted to give, we wanted to give our state another chance to enjoy it. Uh, you know, it, it's, it, it's, uh, it's such a compelling work. And, um, and we also wanted to give the opera industry another chance to take a look at it because we really believe this piece has a place in the, in the modern repertoire. And, uh, the more chances we have to perform it, the, the more people will get to see it and, um, uh, have a chance to think about bringing it uh, outside of the state of Arizona. So yeah, that's important exactly. to us as well. And, and then, uh, and then we close the season with Ariadne of Naxos by Strauss, one of my favorite operas. <laughs> it's a great opera. It, it's 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 like the most delightful and 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 sublime musically sublime piece with the most challenging name to pronounce, probably for American audiences. But um, it, we're 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 really happy to have the piece. It's been it's been twenty five years since Ariadne has been here. Keith, you um, have to tell your story. Yeah, well, we saw it. Uh, was it? It wasn't twenty five. I think it's twenty 
two years. Maybe 22, yeah. Because yeah. we were very much together at that time. Yeah. And we've been, it's 23 years. Well, maybe it's 23 years. Anyway, so he bought tickets for my birthday to see Ariadne because it was in January. <clears throat> and I was so sick. We were sitting down on. Oh no! This was this was before the the redesign of um, a symphony hall. Symphony hall. So they had these big long uh, rows across the whole thing. We were sitting just <clears throat> about ten rows back and and right towards the the center. And I, I was just sitting there. I had cough drops in my pocket and I had tissues in my pocket. And at one point I had tissues stuck in both nostrils with my hand over my face because my nose was just dripping. And then it comes to act two. The curtain goes up and there's this huge rock. And I said, I, I began, they're singing and singing and singing and Ariadne hasn't shown up and they're singing and singing and singing and Ariadne hasn't shown up. And then all of a sudden I said, oh my God, if she gets up and she is the rock, I am going to scream. And guess what happened? <laughs> Just about two minutes later, Ariadne, this big <laughs> rock <laughs> becomes it Ariadne. Was, it's it was like, the way her gown had been placed <laughs> oh before, you know, uh, as she lays uh, down, you know, they, they placed her gown just right so that you don't think it is her. It looks it like, looks like a rock. It looks like a rock. <laughs> so, very funny. Yeah. Very funny. But I've always liked Ariadne. Well, uh, um, I, I don't doubt that the humor will, uh, will come across with our production as well. Chuck Hudson, who directed our, uh, Don Pasquale that has, that has been making the rounds nationally, uh, the, the, the our silent film Pasquale, uh, will be coming back to direct Ariadne. I, I don't know if you spent any time with Chuck, but he's, he's fantastic. He was a, a protege of Marcel Marceau and just has an incredible gift for bringing, uh, really any any kind of uh, theater to life, but he has a special gift for comedy, so we're happy to have him back. Oh, that's, and, that's and, great. And, and I would be remiss not to mention that I'm going to say our own um, uh, Jennifer Johnson Cano, Metropolitan Opera, mezzo-soprano, and uh, coincidentally, pure coincidence, uh, <laughs> pure the coincidence. wife of Christopher Cano um, will be performing the role of the composer. So, oh, far out. Uh, what's that? I said far out. Yeah, yeah. It's a great cast. Rodel Roselle, who was in our production of Rheingold as a Loge last season, will be uh, our dan- dance master and uh, Scaramucho. Uh, Katrina Galka, uh, who was in our studio program, played uh, the um, uh, role of Kunaganda and Candide last season, will be coming back as Zerbanetta, sharing that role with uh, Nicole Haslett. And uh, we have two terrific sopranos, Rebecca Nash and, and Felicia Moore, sharing the role of of uh, Ariadne, not to be, not to be ignored. Wow. So it's, it's just a killer season. Um, we couldn't be more excited. We're, we're, we're on the adventure and, uh, I can't wait to share it with you. Wow. This is absolutely incredible. Thank you for the giving us the 
recap of uh, the first part of the season and what's coming up in the second and absolutely the wonderful next season that we ha- everybody has to look forward to. And you to. know the, the thing that I was just thinking about is that you, every time you've announced a new season, you know, like when this season was announced that we're currently in, I kept this is like the greatest thing I've ever seen happen with Arizona Opera. Now you turn around and give us 2019, <laughs> I'm like, "Oh my word, we're only getting bigger and better." Uh, especially better in terms of what is being offered. I mean, this this list of productions that we're getting is just fantastic from top to bottom. I, I could not be more excited. Fantastic. Well, I'm I'm so glad that you guys are fired up about it. Um, you know, we're 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 just uh, we're we're just so committed to to making this as uh, fun and wonderful and exciting as we possibly can for for everyone. We want. I'm I'm one of these people, and you can you can say that that I'm uh, Pollyanna in this way, but I really believe opera can be for for everyone, mm-hmm. not oh, every absolutely. single piece. Um, but I just I just think there's work there for everyone, mm-hmm. and we just want to explore as as much as we can what that looks like for for Arizona. So absolutely, we're, we're so glad you guys are on the journey with us, and I so appreciate you uh, making time so that we can share all of this exciting right. news. Absolutely. So well, thank- with that. Where can people learn more about Arizona Opera? I mean, social media, anything like that, because we really want people, especially those who are in Arizona, or if you're passing through Arizona at the time, there's an opera production going on. Where can people learn more about Arizona Opera and what you guys are doing? They can come to azopera.org and learn more. And I I do actually have one more announcement for your listeners that 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 I can make. Okay. Um, yeah, we 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 have actually um, finished planning the opera lineup for the 2020-2021 season. Uh, that's we we plan pretty far in advance for our art form because of the complexity of uh, of what we do. And uh, I can share with you this morning that uh, that season will be opening with John De Los Santos and Clint Borzoni's opera, The Copper Queen. Absolutely. Yes. yes. Uh, Clinton John kind of hinted Arizona that there would be some new Arizona something new coming up. Yeah, with that. They, yeah. Clinton John were were on social media. They were hinting, oh, something. Well, new. Or, yeah. no, just, it's to just to me, just to me. Like they communicated yeah. to you something new to announce, something yeah. exciting. And we kept thinking it's got to be Copper Queen, but oh, that's exciting to know. That is great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we we uh, you know and 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 and, and we'll, you know especially with bringing back our first world premiere. Uh, Riders of the Purple Sage to be able to announce at the same time that our our second world premiere is is um, soon to follow is is just another exciting opportunity for us and we're really you know, we're really proud of all the work that Clinton John have done over the course of these past few years uh, yeah. creating and shaping the Copper Queen and uh, just uh, very happy that our uh, McDougal Red series and our entire 2020. 2020-21 season will open with that work. Absolutely. So, more to come. Super. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Joe, for making time to, to stop by and, and speak to us. I really appreciate it. Likewise. Have a great day, fellas. Always great to talk to you. Yeah. Always great to talk to you, too. Hi, this is Joe Spector from Arizona Opera, and you're listening to The Two Gay Geeks. That was such a great interview. I, Joe it was is, a lot of Joe fun. Joe is such a lot of fun. I mean, he really is. He, for, he's 
a, a young man compared to us. Yeah, you know, but, and, and tons of energy. <laughs> tons of energy, and it's just it's great to have somebody younger involved in in opera that has that kind of that passion that passion and and his talent for mm-hmm. everything i mean he's a former singer and a you know former uh financial mm-hmm. management person so it's great so it was a great great just check Fantastic out check out arizona opera yeah and here's a few selected birthdays for january 21st through january 27th 2018 January 21st, Paul Allen, the co-founder of Microsoft. Too bad he passed away just recently. That's uh, too bad. And Benny Hill, and speaking of opera singers, Placido mm-hmm. Domingo, birthday on January 21st. And Wolfman Jack. And the Wolfman. Yeah. And a Facebook friend of ours, Paul Hansinger. January 22nd, John Hurt. He's William Hurt's brother. Yeah. <laughs> How, how father, we, maybe. How often can we go and, you know, to that meme? <laughs> yeah. And Guy Fieri. D.W. Griffith, who was the, the big name in Hollywood. He, he's literally the one that started Hollywood. Mm. Uh, and uh, on way back in the last century. And also on January 22nd, John Wesley Ship, The Flash Senior. The Flash Senior. Like oh, oh. Not that Flash. Not that Flash. Uh-huh. And Linda Blair from The Exorcist. There you go. Okay. Okay. I, I, I didn't know you wanted a title. It's like, who doesn't know? Well, who? Well, there may be somebody. Also, on January 22nd, we have uh, Tony Pedegimus. Oh, I'm so glad you had that. Wow. And <laughs> Facebook friend, I'm sorry I butchered your name. And Luciana Fallhaber. January 23rd, John Hancock. Richard Dean Anderson, Rutger Hauer, Sonny Chiba, Muzio Clemente, and... Hmm. Could it be maybe somebody sitting in TG Squared Studios at the moment? Uh, it and might not me? Be. <laughs> yeah, it might be. Yes, it's my birthday on January 23rd. January 24th, John Belushi, Neil Diamond, Michio Kaku, and on January 25th, we have Etta James, uh, a wonderful singer, woman of color, just an incredible singer. And Robert Burns, the, the favorite son of, of Scotland. There's Robbie Burns Day on it's usually around the 25th. Sometimes it's the weekend before, or the weekend after. Sometimes they do it on that day. It just depends on your local Scottish community. Oh, okay. And also on January 25th, Jeannie Koch. Wow. How about that? Craig Step. Wait, those two share a birthday? Yes, they do. How is it that the world is not blown up? I don't have any idea. If they ever met, it would. Also, Facebook friend Steve K. January 26th, Ellen DeGeneres, Paul Newman, Bob Euchre. Mr. Baseball. Just a bit outside. <laughs> and Gene Siskel. And a friend of ours, Angelo Delaquila. It was Millie's birthday. Her That's husband, right. Uh, her his his wife, her husband. Bleh, yeah. I confused myself. January 27th, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, Patton Oswald, Alan Cumming, Lewis Carroll, Donna Reed, Nick Mason. Oh, Pink Floyd. Yeah. James Cromwell, Jerome Kern, and D. Estelle. Happy birthday, D. Yes. And happy birthday to everybody in January. And that's it for the birthdays this time. 
Sci-Fi for your Wi-Fi. Go give a listen to Krypton Radio. You can find them at kryptonradio.com. It's 24-hour music uh, and geek radio station. Until the sun blows up. Until the sun blows up. Then it becomes kryptonite radio. Kryptonite. (laughs) 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 And now, just a little feedback. So starting off, uh, there were a three-episode thoughts when we first started watching the DC Universe series Titans. Got a comment from Mark Biaggi after he read my review, and he simply said, seems we have similar feelings about the show. Hmm. You can read it yourself, because all these links will be in our show notes for this episode, and you can find that on tjgeeks.com. And then there was uh, Jeannie's Christmas Classics. She reviewed The Nightmare Before Christmas and got a comment from Sharon Skinner. She says, great take on this awesome holiday film. Well, the interesting thing is that her version that she uh, purchased because her daughter took their oh, version, right. she ordered, uh, because it was cheaper, the sing-along version. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's true. So. <laughs> yeah, it's very amusing. Yeah. And then got a comment from Corey Nelson. She did a, she gave, left a comment about my review for the book Starship Mine, a sci-fi tale of alien abduction and diversity. And Corey writes, a TG geek gifted me this book, which my husband thought this was a good initial read. He liked it and is looking forward to rating it on Goodreads like a solid Goodreads citizen. Yay! Yay. And then we had a review for Frosty the Snowman, the Rankin-Bass production from Tommy Cannon. I had left a comment on Facebook saying how much I loved it. Not just not, not just the review, but the fact that Tommy Cannon wrote this review, and Tommy Cannon came back with, thank you. And a friend of his, John Jarmarket, simply left a smiley face. So thank you, John. And again, all of these articles will be in the show notes for this episode at tggeeks.com. Yeah. And you can leave a comment on our Facebook page or our uh TG Geeks website, tggeeks.com. You can also leave us a voicemail comment, and we'll play that on air at 469-TG-Geeks, 469-844-3357. And as we always say, please Please play play nice. Yeah, baby. They're like two gay geeks. They're together, you know. They're two gay guys, and they're geeks. Is that okay? I'm going to stop it there <laughs> because we are running out of time and we have things to talk about. Just interesting uh, little announcement right at the very end of Joe's right. opera about Copper Queen. So uh, check it out. Very that, happy that's about going that. to be a really great thing. And hopefully we're going to have uh, John, John and, and Clint uh, Bozzoni on the show soon. I'm Daniel Radcliffe, and I believe that reaching out for help is the bravest thing a person can do. If you are struggling and need support, call the Trevor Lifeline at 1-866-488-7386. It's free and confidential, and trained counsellors are there to listen 24-7 without judgment. To learn more about the Trevor Project's life-saving work for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, or questioning young people, go to thetrevorproject.org. And there's also a trans lifeline that is solely dedicated to trans issues. If you're struggling, check out the hotline, 877-565-8860. And in Canada, 877-330-6366 or translifeline.org. 
We don't have any uh, weekly review because who knows what we're going to publish. We haven't gotten that far yet. There will be so, a number of things coming out this there week. There will be something every single day uh, for the last week, but uh, we're recording this early, so um, can't have that now. Check out our restaurant reviews. It's a new category, relatively new. And as always, we are huge supporters of independent creators, whether it's filmmakers, comic book artists, writers. Please buy their stuff and have cash for them. Please consider supporting independent creators. Special shout out to the Arkle Times Post Dispatch News, which republishes our content on a regular basis. It is put up by the Human Arkle on Twitter. You can, and that's Brian Weber. You can find him on Twitter by searching at Arkle, A R K L E. And speaking of him, Brian, he has a shameless cash grab on YouTube. You can find it by going to youtube.com slash user slash Arkle Studios, all one word. And a special shout out to the Facebook group, The Gay Geek, for allowing us to not to, to post not just our episodes, but any relevant content there as well. Their URL is facebook.com slash group slash The Gay Geek. And as always, special thanks to their moderator, Jeremiah Reeves, for allowing us to post all of our content there. Thank you, Jeremiah. And lastly, we are on Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Anchor, as well as the places that you find other fine podcasts. Check us out on Krypton Radio, 3 a.m., 3 p.m. Pacific Time on Tuesdays, and listen to their other content. Check us out on iTunes, and don't forget to rate us and review us, or rate us and review us on iTunes, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Up next week, I believe we are going to have an interview with Mr. Katie Edwards, the author of The Last Son, Ooh. and he's talking to us about The Hanged Man. His next book. Yay! Check it out. And that should do it for this episode of TG Geeks Webcast. Be sure to check out the article for this webcast episode. We're going to have several links on the page. And remember, you can comment on our Facebook page or our website, tggeeks.com. Leave us a voicemail at 469-TG-Geeks. That is 469-844-3357. From TG Squared Studios, I'm Keith Lane. Thanks for listening. Please be kind to yourself and those around you. Peace. Cheers. <laughs>